Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. I'd like to invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John 15. We um, finished our series uh, preceding Christmas, leading up to during the season we call Advent, and, and then last Sunday as well, uh, as we considered the promise made and the promise kept, and we uh, have been planning to move back to the Gospel of Luke and, and, and finish there, but for just a few weeks, uh, during the month of January, I'm going to be preaching a series of messages from John 15, perhaps in some other passages as well, but I'm entitled the series, Bearing Fruit to his glory in 2018. And it'll be based on, on John chapter 15. Verse 8 is, I think, a, a theme verse for us. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Bearing fruit to his glory in 2018. By the way, does anyone have with you this morning an iPad? Anybody have an iPad or an iPad mini? Hold it up, Susan. Susan has her iPad. Y'all all know what an iPad is, all right? Just so everybody would know. It's kind of like a little miniature computer that you can carry with you, take notes, look up your scripture passages, and so forth. Um, heard a, there was a, a, a video that came out, perhaps you saw it some time ago on uh, YouTube or something, about the, uh, uh, the woman. It was actually in German, but the English caption was on the bottom of the screen where, uh, where a uh, daughter, uh, at, they're visiting with her family and her father, and she asked her father how he was enjoying the iPad that she had given him for his birthday, to which he responded, Great! And then she watched him as he proceeded to take that little iPad and use it as a cutting board for his vegetables. And then he took the iPad and he put it and he rinsed it off in the sink and put it in the dishwasher to her utter shock. Well, obviously, something that was given to him was now being used for a purpose other than what, that which it was intended. Uh, and you know, uh, we see a lot of that, don't we? A lot of the thing, we see that in our world all the time where something that was intended for one purpose is being used for something else, sometimes something quite contrary, the, the opposite of what it was, um, what it was intended for. And, and that's exactly a, a very sad thing that we see happening even in uh, the life of professing believers uh, for, for that, that God has a, a purpose, to, an intention for their lives, and they're not being used uh, certainly to the fullest extent for which they were uh, intended. Often again, that which is valuable being used for, not being used for its intended purpose. And again, the saddest reality when people who've been redeemed by the blood of, blood of Christ fail to live for the purpose for which God saved them. And all through Scripture, the Bible makes it clear that God intends to use his followers to bear spiritual fruit. In fact, if you want to just do an interesting study, just look up that word fruit and how many times it's used. It is used in various ways, but oftentimes in relationship to bearing spiritual fruit and especially to God's glory. Well, I want to uh, ask you to look with me here at John 15, and we're going to begin this morning and just read verses 1 through 6. We're going to look at these verses together. John 
chapter 15. We'll begin reading with verse 1 and read through verse 6. And if you're able, please stand with me once again as we read the Word of God together. John chapter 15, I'll begin reading with verse number 1. Jesus said, and this is his final I am saying here in the Gospel of John, he said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And from these six verses today, I'll bring a message entitled, The Essentials of Bearing Fruit. Let's join our hearts once again in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this privilege of worship. We thank you for every person who has gathered today, who has a desire in their, in their heart that you've placed there to worship you today in spirit and in truth. And Father, we thank you so much for placing that desire in us. We thank you also, Father, for the other uh, evidences of your presence in our lives, of our connection with you, even as we've sung about this morning, that we are in you and you are in us. And we thank you for that and all that that means for us. And Father, as we have now begun this new year, 2018, Lord, uh, we desire, Lord, as we think about our purpose for existence, and Lord, uh, even now as your children, our purpose for your redeeming us, buying us back from sin, and planting in our heart your word and and the indwelling Holy Spirit within us, we recognize and see, Father, that your desire for us is to bear fruit to your glory. And Father, I pray that you will just, uh, Lord, you uh, ignite in every one of us today a great desire to be fruit-bearing believers to your glory. Lord, we don't know how long we have on this earth. We don't know if we have the rest of this day individually or even as your church, Lord, because we know you're coming again. So Lord, we want to make the most of every opportunity And I believe I can uh, uh, express the heart cry of every believer, Father. We truly want to bring fruit to your glory. So, Father, we pray that you will speak to us from your word today, from this passage here in John 15, as we think together about these essentials for bearing fruit. And we would pray once again for any in our midst who uh, truly are not connected to Christ, who do not have a relationship with you, have not truly repented of their sin and placed their faith in Christ, we pray that by the word of God, through the work of the spirit of God, that you would awaken them and show them their need and bring them to deep brokenness and conviction and repentance over their sin today. Be glorified in in, uh, the outcome of our response to you today. We pray it believing in Jesus' name and for his sake. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. So again, Scripture makes it clear that the followers of Christ are to be fruit-bearing believers. 
Uh, and uh, at least five types of uh, fruit have been identified in Scripture uh, and, and as presented there. One of them is uh, what we might call Christ-like character. In Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 and 23, we call this the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, another uh, of the fruit mentioned in Scripture is good works. Colossians 1, 10, Paul there prays that the believers in Christ uh, would be fruitful in every good work. Great way to pray. Uh, that whole passage there, Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 9 uh, through 15, I think it is, or 9 through 12, is a great passage that we should pray for one another. Uh, third, evangelistic fruit is another type of fruit. Romans chapter 1, 13, as we share the gospel with people and they respond in repentance and faith, this is um, what we might refer to as evangelistic fruit. A fourth kind is uh, praising God. Hebrews 13, uh, 15 talks about the fruit of our lips, uh, praise to God. Uh, This is a work of God's spirit within us. He enables us uh, to produce this fruit. And then number five, generous giving, according to Philippians 4, 17, is a fruit that God produces in us and through us. And that's exactly, it's important to understand that's what fruit is. Again, uh, you don't see a, you don't walk by a fruit tree and hear that fruit tree grunting and groaning, uh, trying to do uh, a fruit tree. Uh, it produces fruit and, and it is produced through the tree. And so again, we are to bear fruit and we are to allow God to uh, produce fruit through us. And we'll see more about that in a moment. Well, Jesus uses this allegory to teach uh, this this allegory, if you will, of the vine and the branches to teach God's purpose uh, for saving us, uh, again, for the purpose of bearing fruit. And Jesus pictures himself as the true vine and the father as the vine dresser or the gardener, if you will, or the caretaker, and the disciples as the branches within the vine. And so that applies to us as Christ followers. We are the branches. He is the vine. And uh, again, you think about this point, when this is in the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, we know he's already uh, experienced the Passover in, in John. And, and, uh, and again, the washing of the disciples' feet there in John uh, chapter 13. And so at this point, uh, Jesus again is, is just uh, a short time away from the time in which he's going to offer himself up as a sacrifice, as God's final Passover lamb there uh, on the cross. And so perhaps Jesus was on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples uh, when he looked out over the Kidron Valley and he saw these uh, uh, these vineyards and had the privilege of being there and there's still uh, these uh, these vineyards there and so forth. Um, but the, perhaps again, these the, the dead wood has been prone, uh, pruned from the br- and the branches are burning even as he spoke. Once again, this final I am to his disciples and ultimately to us. So note with me from these six verses, if you will, four essentials of bearing fruit, four essentials of bearing fruit to his glory. The first one, Jesus must produce his life in us in order for us to bear fruit. Again, uh, beginning in verse one there, Jesus said, I am the true Vine. The word true means perfect and genuine and noble and ideal. When you study the Old Testament, oftentimes Israel is depicted as the vine. 
And uh, really, Israel was a, uh, a, a, to portray the picture of the vine of the Lord Jesus, but, the Lord, but, but Israel, of course, was not a perfect vine. It failed in its purpose in fulfilling God's plan and purpose for them to bear fruit. Uh, and, but the Lord Jesus is the perfect vine. He is the true vine, the genuine vine. And again, he is the vine um, uh, to, to each of us as believers who have repented of our sin and placed our faith and trust in Christ. And we are now in Christ. One of the phrases, in fact, uh, the fact that we are in Christ is used even more often that Christ than the, that the fact that Christ is in us, though he is. Uh, and of course, uh, when you picture that, think about that vine. It is the, the sap, if you will, the life sap within uh, the, the vine that, that flows through the vine and into the branches that produce the life within those branches that give its life. If anything happens in that, we see in branches when, that, when something happens there, uh, then uh, it, it can no longer bear fruit. And, um, and so again, uh, because we're believers and we are in Christ and Christ is in us, his life is in us. In fact, he is our very life, Scripture says. We sang about that this morning. Colossians uh, chapter 3 makes that very, very clear, as we'll see in other passages as well. So he provides his life to us and produces his life through us as his children. Uh, and Jesus uh, said in John 14, 19, a little previous to this, he said, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live you also will live. Because I live, you also will live. Jesus is our life. Because Jesus lives, we live. Because he lives in us. He is our life. Uh, John, 1 John chapter 5, uh, the epistle of John, 1 John, uh, John said, and this is the testimony that God uh, gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So the Bible makes it clear if we do not have the Son, the Lord Jesus in us, we do not have life. Scripture calls those who are outside of Christ, who've never repented of sin and placed their faith in Christ, calls them dead in their trespasses and sins, spiritually dead. So only when Christ is in us, when we've again re repented, we've responded to his grace uh, and repentance and faith and surrendered to the lordship of Christ, only then can we have his uh, gift of eternal life. That is when we do receive the gift of eternal life. Upon uh, hearing the gospel, the message that Jesus uh, is Lord and, and God and the creator of this universe to whom we are accountable, but that because of sin, uh, going our way instead of God's way, we are eternally separated from him. When we hear the message, the bad news, but then the good news that Jesus came, gave his life for us, became sin for us on the cross, all of our sin and all the wrath of God placed on Jesus, all the wrath of God poured out on Christ, that he died there to pay our debt in full, was buried and rose again, is alive today. And then when we respond to that, by the work of his spirit in our heart, hearing the gospel, hearing the word of God, when we respond repentance in repentance, turning from sin, faith turning to and placing our faith and trust in Christ and him alone to save us. We receive eternal life. We are brought from death 
to life. We experience uh, in that moment uh, a, a new life, receiving his life. He comes to take up residence in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he dwells in us now and for all eternity. And so that is how this relationship with Christ that we have life, that's how we are connected in him when Christ comes to live in us. And so without Christ, people can fake fruit, if you will, uh, but they can't uh, be a, 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 a branch through which Christ can produce fruit. That's why, again, Scripture makes it so clear. And, and even in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus describes those who will, on that final day, will stand before him. And they will begin to try to um, uh, give uh, uh, indication of, of a, a relationship with him. They'll begin to talk about their, their good works, the things that they have done. And Jesus will say to them the saddest words perhaps spoken or ever heard, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. They can fake fruit. They can be involved perhaps in church or, or have their name on a roll or uh, having had some kind of experience maybe and, and having been baptized at some point in their life, but they aren't vitally connected because, and the life of Christ is not in them. They have no real, real relationship with Christ. So again, the first essential is that Jesus must produce his life in us and through us in order for us to bear fruit. J.C. Ryle wrote this, the union between the branch of a vine and the main stem is the closest that can be conceived. It is the whole secret of the branch's life, strength, vigor, beauty, and fertility. Separate, or separate from the parent stem, it has no life of its own. The sap and juice that flow from the stem are the origin and the maintaining power of all its leaves, buds, blossoms, and fruit. Cut off from the stem, it must soon wither and die. The union between Christ and believers is just as close and just as real. In themselves, they have no life or strength or spiritual power. So, dear friend, I ask you today, are, do you have the life of Christ within you? Has there been that time in your life where you recognize your sinful state and repented by the work of God's grace in your heart, repented, turned from your sin, trusted in Christ and him alone to save you? And is it obvious and evident that his life now is within you and that Christ is your life? This is the first essential for bearing fruit to his glory. Well, the second thing I want us to see, the second essential, is that the Father must provide the care for us to provide fruit. The Father must provide the care for us to bear fruit. And by the way, if we are in Christ, he does provide the care for us because he is, as we see, the vine dresser. Uh, he is the vine grower, the gardener, if you will. And uh, he, uh, the vine grower, uh, the vineyard keeper, so to speak, is the one who takes care of the, the vineyard so that the, the vine will produce many large and, and juicy grapes. Uh, he, he does that. He begins with planting, of course. Uh, he, he, he grafts, he fertilizes, he, he waters the vine. These are aspects of, of what the vine dresser does and the vine grower. And of course, in this particular passage, he points out two of the other tasks that the vine dresser has in relationship to the vineyard and, and the vine and the branches. And, and, as, and we see them as they apply to us as believers. 
The first thing the father does is that he takes away, verse 2, the, the non-producing uh, branches. We see that in verse 2. And, and uh, he says again, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Uh, and again, this is, uh, the, these are the non, uh, non-fruit-bearing uh, branches. Uh, why does he do this? Well, of course, this is vital to the health of the, of the vine. It's vital to the health of the other branches as well. And so he takes them away. Uh, and, uh, and so we'll, come, we'll say more about that as we come to point number four. But that is one of the ways in which the Father cares for the vine and for the branches. Secondly, we also see that the Father prunes the branches that are bearing fruit. Again, he says, and every branch that uh, bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Uh, and of course, this word for prunes uh, here also uh, is, is translated to cleanse. Uh, and so he does that work. Uh, he, and of course, in pruning, you know what, those of you who are gardeners, those of you who have anything to do with growing things, you know that oftentimes you do that. You, you, uh, you do that, you cut away uh, that part of the branch so that it may bear more fruit. And, and so that's what the, the, the Lord does, the Father does for us as members of his body or as branches in the vine. Uh, he cuts away uh, from us uh, in order that we can produce uh, more fruit. He, he prunes or he cleanses anything from our lives that will hinder our fruitfulness, but also he does that so that he might increase our fruitfulness. Verse 3 goes on to say, "You are," Jesus said, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. The word here for clean and the word for prunes back in verse 2 are the same word or come from the same word. And, um, and again, it, it, it shows us, as Jesus says here, you're clean through the word which I've spoken to you, that one of the primary tools that God uses in cleansing us and in pruning us is the word of God. That's really what he intends. Again, that is why it's so vitally important that we daily get into the word of God and we let God speak to us so that he can cleanse us, so that he can cut out of, of us that which will not, that will hinder our growth and, and also that which will then enable and strengthen and produce greater fruit uh, in our life. So he uses the word of God. That is his primary tool and that's what he wants to use in our lives. Uh, not only our uh, personal time with the Lord, but, but also being under the word together as the body of Christ and, and as uh, his family as we come together to worship the Lord together. He uses the word. Uh, he also, uh, the, the, the uh, other method he uses, of course, is discipline. God uses discipline to prune our lives and to cut away from our lives. Hebrews 12, 6 says, the Lord disciplines the one he loves he, and chastises every son whom he receives. Uh, he uses discipline when there need, there's a need for correction in our lives. And the Bible says, as, in, as we've read from Hebrews 12, one of the ways we know we are his child is that he disciplines us, he corrects us, uh, and brings us back into right uh, relationships and deals with our lives. Another thing that God uses in our lives to prune us and to cleanse us is suffering. He uses this again to produce greater fruitfulness, more fruit, and ultimately much fruit in our lives. Now again, suffering isn't always related to discipline. Uh, this suffering doesn't always come as a result of, uh, as a consequence of sin. Suffering is just a part of life. And as you read the Word of God, you come to understand 
that it's so much a part of life. We shouldn't consider it a negative thing. We, we, don't, uh, we don't have to pray for it. It's going to happen. Uh, Jesus said, in the world, you shall have tribulation. We're going to experience suffering in this world. It can come in all kinds of forms. It, it may come in a spiritual warfare. It can be in uh, physical, emotional, financial, family uh, matters and, and, and occupational trials. It can come in the form of persecution. These are all forms of suffering that God uses in our lives to prune us, to cut back from our lives and, and, and to, uh, to produce greater fruitfulness in and through us. And so the purpose of pruning is not to hurt us. But at the same time, pruning can be painful. You know, we don't hear from branches when they're being pruned, but I think if you could, you would hear them saying, ouch, that hurts, that's painful. Um, but pruning in our lives spiritually can certainly be a very painful process. But the purpose is not to hurt us, but to uh, make us more fruitful and to make us more like Christ. First Peter 1, 7 says, So that the, te the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor and the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says the purpose of this pruning process, again, and through suffering or whatever means is necessary, is that God is using this to make us more like Christ. So therefore, uh, as the Father does this work of caring for us, to produce pr fruitfulness, what is our responsibility? It's cooperation. It's cooperation. And, it's, and it does begin with understanding that, our, that God is a good Father and that God is a good God and that He knows what He's doing and we can trust Him and not to react in Him in bitterness or react in Him uh, in, a, in a wrong spirit, but a, but a spirit of cooperation and praise, knowing that, that what God is doing he knows what he's doing and that we can trust him and we can love him and praise him in the midst of whatever he's taking place. Cooperate with him. Uh, Bruce Wilkinson in his book, The S uh, Secrets of the Vine, it's all about really John chapter 15 and, and this matter of uh, fruit bearing and, and abiding in Christ. He, he tells about uh, when he moved from the city to the country. And when he got, he was really excited when he moved there and he discovered that along the fence line between he and his neighbor growing along the fence was a grapevine. And so he got really excited about one day being able to enjoy uh, in the fall afterwards some luscious grapes. So he was so excited about that. But a few days after he moved in, he looked out to see his neighbor just cutting away, hacking away really at the vine with some shears. And so he was, oh my goodness, he was so shocked because he thought, man, he's going to kill that thing. So he went outside and, and he tried to be, you know, kind to his new neighbor and diplomatic. And he said, well, you must not like grapes. And, uh, and the neighbor said, well, I love grapes. And he said, well, you know, here you are, you're cutting away, you're cutting this thing down. I'm afraid you're going to kill it. Well, obviously his neighbor knew that he didn't know too much about growing grapes. And so he said, well, actually, he said, uh, he said, we can either grow a lot of beautiful leaves or we can have the biggest, juiciest grapes you've ever tasted. He said, but we cannot do both. Because, so again, to bear good fruit, the vine had to be 
pruned. So we need to understand that. We need to understand that individually, that, that God is working in our lives and that the things he allows in our life in any of these forms that we've talked about earlier, that God has a purpose in those. And so we must respond to those. Again, we know that when, when suffering comes in our lives, when trials comes in our life, we respond. And yes, if it's a difficult, we, we, it is a good time to say, Lord, what, what, what are you doing in my life, Lord? And help me to understand what you're doing or to, uh, is our areas, is this a form of discipline? It's a good time to ask that question. And, and, and if, if we sense no, that that's not what God's doing, then again, whatever the form of purpose that God's doing through the suffering or the trial, we come to understand that God has a purpose in it to make us like Christ so we cooperate with him. And, and you know, by the way, we not only do that for, need to do that for ourselves, we need to do that for others as well. You know, we, we may not be the one going through the suffering. It may be a husband or a wife or one of our children. Or, and we may look at that and, and we may think, the things, Lord, you're being unfair to them. No, we need to also cooperate as God's working in the lives of others and not get in God's way when he's working in the lives of others. But pray and cooperate and realize that we have a good, good father. And, and he has a purpose and a plan for what he's allowing in that, in that one's life. So again, let me ask you the question this morning. Do you see God's pruning in your life? Do you see God's working to cleanse your life? And, and, and can you see the Father's working in that way in your life? Have you seen it maybe as you look back on 2017? Maybe you didn't always respond the right way. Sometimes our, we respond in the flesh and we have to stop and, and, and call that what it is and recognize uh, for what it is, but cooperate with what God is doing. Do you see that? And again, are you cooperating? Are you from this point forward? Is it, because if you haven't uh, been a, had a trial lately, you will, all right? Uh, and so be prepared when it comes and be ready to see what God is doing and cooperate with him in this process of caring for you so that you can produce more fruit and even much fruit to his glory in 2018. Thirdly, another essential is the believer must abide in Christ in order to bear fruit. The believer must abide in Christ. Jesus said there in verse 4 of John 15, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in him. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. This word abide is obviously a very, very important word uh, here in John 15. In fact, it's mentioned 11 times in John 15. It's mentioned 40 times in John's gospel and um, uh, 27 times in the epistles of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So again, what does this word abide means? Well, literally it means to, to remain. It means to remain. Uh, so remain in me. Is, your translation may even use that word. Uh, well, you know, when you hear that word remain in me, it may kind of sound like, well, does that mean you can get out of Christ? And of course, we know and believe Scripture is very clear that as true believers, we cannot get out of Christ. So there's one aspect of, of this word that is, I believe, positional. We are in Christ and we are there to stay. We do remain in him. Uh, and, and that's an, uh, an evidence that we are his children. We believe in the perseverance of the saints. And that means we believe that true believers will persevere. 
Uh, and so we are in Christ. And so there's a positional aspect to that. But, but, and, and this certainly is not uh, meaning that we have to do something to keep ourselves saved uh, because we know we are saved and kept by grace. But, but this word uh, is also translated dwell. Uh, in fact, in, back in J- chapter 14, uh, Jesus used a, a very similar word uh, it, when he said in, in John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And that's the, that the, make our home with him is the same, is the, from the same uh, concept there, the same root word uh, and that has the idea of dwelling. It's also used in John, back in John 14, 1, when Jesus said, I'll go to prepare a place for you, uh, that where I am there, you may be also. So again, the idea of dwelling. So uh, Deffenbaugh believes that the meaning of the word abide here is to, could be to make one's home with. Uh, it's making Christ our home and letting him make his home in us. And so it's more, uh, it, it, there is a, a very important aspect there as we think about that word. Warren Wiersbe says uh, it could be defined as maintaining a moment-by-moment fellowship with the Lord so that his life is shared with you. So how do you maintain, how, do, how does is Christ make us, how do you make yourself at home with Christ and, and he make himself at home with you? How, how once again, is, is, do you maintain this moment by moment fellowship with him? Brother Lawrence uh, used the term uh, practicing the presence of Christ. How do we do this? How is this possible in our life? Well, again, several things we, we know are important. One again is to confess your sins promptly. First uh, John chapter one seven and verse nine tells us there if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, when we are aware of any sin that enters our life, whether it's our thought life or or something we uh, fail to do, we should do, or something we do we shouldn't do, or say that we shouldn't say, or an attitude we shouldn't have, whatever the sin may be, when the Spirit of God shows us that sin. We immediately agree with him and repent of that in our heart so that we can uh, maintain a fellowship and a close relationship with Christ. Secondly is to pray continuously. In fact, the Bible says pray without ceasing. Uh, always be in an attitude of prayer, always aware of God's presence and always communing with him. That's very important, praying continuously. Third, obey God's word explicitly. Completely obey what God says to do and immediately obey what God says to do. That's an important aspect of this uh, abiding in Christ. But the fourth, I think, is very important in what we see here, I believe, in this passage, and that is to depend on Jesus completely. Once again, in in verse 5 there, he says, without me, you can do what? Say it with me. Nothing. You can do nothing without Christ. And so we are to live in absolute, total dependence upon Christ and upon the indwelling Holy Spirit within us. We look to him continuously, rely on him completely, depend on him totally for our lives. We look to him at all times. Paul testified in 2 Corinthians, once again, going back to why God, what God is doing in our lives to produce fruit in us. 
uh, Paul uh, testified that this was the reason for suffering or adversity in his life. And he talks about it in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. He said, we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Tough trial he was going through. Verse 9, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So once again, that is why God allows this, this suffering in our lives. That is what God is doing in our lives through adversity. He's putting us in a position that we once again remind ourselves that we must rely completely and totally upon Christ and not on ourselves. You know, as little uh, children, we, we become very early. We become very independent, don't we? Self-reliant. And, every, and, and as parents, we want our children to learn to be independent. But then what we learn as little preschoolers, we have to unlearn as believers. We have to unlearn in the sense of living independence totally upon Christ, uh, Christ in us, to live in us and through us. And only what is done in his power will, will be of eternal value and will bring him glory. Let me say that again. Only what is done in his power will be of eternal value and will bring him glory. So he says to us in these verses, when we abide in him and he abides in us, when we, make our, when we are making him, at, uh, at, we're at home with him and, and dwelling in him and he in us, he says we will bear much fruit, much fruit. And that's what God wants. We don't want to just get by, do we? We want to bear much fruit. Uh, the Bible talks about it in, in, in the parable of the soils. That there are those, the, the good soil, there are those from that good soil that are truly born again that bring forth fruit. And, and he talks about the varying degrees of fruit. Some bring more fruit. Well, I want to be among those that bring forth a hundredfold, don't you? I want God to produce much fruit in me and through me. Well, what is this fruit once again? Again, Deffenbaugh says, we bear fruit as Christ is manifested in and through our lives. What is fruit? Well, fruit is Christ in us. It's Christ manifesting his life through us, his character through us. And again, he is evident in us as we carry on the work he began when, when he was on the earth. Again, we know that Jesus has, has a, a called us to produce his character through us. We understand that, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But also, we, uh, we uh, are bearing fruit as he produces his life in us and fulfills his commission through us. As we, again, proclaim the gospel and as we make disciples, that, is, again, is, is, the, is the life of Christ in us being manifested in and through our lives. So, again, we, we talked about this uh, from Matthew and fulfillment of Isaiah seven fourteen that he, Jesus is God with us. And oftentimes we just think about that from the comfort standpoint. Well, that's true. He is with us and produces comfort in us, absolutely. But also he is with us to produce his character in us and through us. And he is with us and through us to 
to fulfill his commission in us and through us. And that fruit is only possible as we are abiding in Christ, as we are making our uh, home in him. Uh, So thinking again about abiding in Christ is making our home with Christ. Think about it as it relates to Christ. Think about home, for example. What is home? Well, home is where your heart is. It's where you want to be. Is, is Christ where your heart is? Is Christ where you want to be? Home, um, again, is the place you return to, that you're eager to get back to. Are you always eager to get to Christ and to pursue Christ? And, you know, and, and, and is that, uh, are you longing for him? Not only, uh, again, as we think about being with him one day in eternity, we do, but even now you're pursuing Christ. Home, again, is, is where you feel comfortable, where you can be yourself. Home, again, uh, is, uh, is, where, is a place of safety, a place of security. Home is where you bring your friends when you want to fellowship with them. Home is your base of operations. Home is where you find your strength for life, where you eat and sleep and live. Home is where the people and the things you love the most are found. Could all those things be said about your relationship with Christ? Are you pursuing him with, with everything that you have? Are you abiding in Christ? Are you making Christ today your home? Well, I want to ask you today, would you today, in response to this passage and this message today, as you think about beginning this year and the rest of your life, however long that is, will you pursue Christ? Will you seek to abide in Christ? Will you make Christ your very home? Well, number four, a person must, and the fourth essential, a person must bear fruit to give evidence of being a genuine believer. A person must bear fruit to give evidence of being a genuine believer. Again, we see this, I believe, in verse 2 as well as uh, verse 6. And I believe these are in reference to the same thing, the work of what the Father does, we saw in verse 2. Uh, and again, let me just say that um, I'll be honest with you in saying there are different interpretations to this. Some believe verse 2 is, is talking about a believer. And uh, even uh, Bruce Wilkinson in his book believes that, that the word there for, uh, for taking away uh, is, is, to clean, is to lift up rather. And so he believes it's in reference to a believer. But again, as I've examined this passage, I've come to the conviction that this, is, this person is, uh, who is unfruitful is actually an unbeliever, the one of verse 2 as well as verse 6. And I believe that the lack of fruit reveals the lack of a genuine relationship. Uh, and, and the branch here is, is, who is being described is one who's never been truly connected to Christ. It, 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 certainly a person who makes that appearance, who appears to be in Christ, and again, that we saw that, we've seen that all through our study of the Gospel of Luke. And even now, Jesus has been, is addressing his disciples. And, uh, and he will say, as, as uh, Blake read from John 17, that everyone that uh, he's brought to himself has remained other than that one, Judas. Jesus has, is speaking of one from all appearances. Everybody thought Judas was in. He thought Judas, they all thought Judas was one of them. They even were questioning at the Last Supper when he uh, would say, said that one of them would uh, betray him. They would say, they didn't say, is it Judas? No, they said, is it me? I mean, they, they, uh, they, so they didn't suspect him. He was a good actor. He was a good pretender. 
And, and the Bible says that is certainly true uh, today. This person may be, uh, a person may be co- organizationally connected through church membership, but they have no life connection if they do not have a personal relationship with Christ. They are not in Christ. And so notice what he says here in, uh, in verse 6. Once again, he says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered, and they gather them up and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. He's speaking here of the, I believe, of the judgment, of the judgment of hell, of eternal fire and hell that the Bible is so clear concerning. Again, uh, this would speak of Judas and any person who may uh, pretend or fake or indicate that they have a relationship but genuinely do not have a relationship with Christ. If you're reading through uh, the two-year plan, you just began this week in Genesis and uh, also in Matthew. And I read earlier this week uh, in, uh, in Matthew about the beginning of the ministry of John the Baptist as well as the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And J- John came preparing the way for the Lord by preaching a baptism of repentance. And he preached in Matthew 3, 8 through 10. He said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I believe Jesus again is making the same reference, and uh, and 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 John, of course, is describing the, the the work of the Father here and the work even of the Lord Jesus. So we are uh, we see here that those who do not bear fruit do not they, that, that 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 a person must bear fruit to give evidence of being a genuine. Uh, believer, and I want to say one thing about this this aspect of the vine. We think here about ourselves as individual branches, and we are individual branches in the vine. But we're not in the vine alone. Amen. We're in the vine together. Just as we are members individually of the body of Christ, every one of us as believers, also as uh, believers. Uh, we are individual branches, but we are together in the vine. Amen? We need one another, and we need to hold one another accountable. And that's why, again, church membership is such an important matter, and why, again, biblical church discipline is such an important matter. Because if we don't, uh, we're not obedient to Christ in this matter, we affirm the wrong belief that one can be uncommitted to the church and still be connected to Christ. And that is certainly not what the teaching of the Word of God is. And so a person who's truly in Christ will bear fruit and it will remain. Well, thinking about this matter of producing fruit, our job is not to produce fruit. Our problem, our, pro, uh, our uh, responsibility rather, is to bear fruit. We're, when we're in the vine and we are connected with Christ, He produces His life which is fruit in us and through us. And so our responsibility is to be faithful and to be connected in serving him and making him our very lives and all that we do, uh, and he will produce the fruit in us and through us. Well, think with me as we conclude our message this morning, several things I want to encourage you to take home from this passage. First of all, that connection to Christ is essential to fruitfulness. And then I ask once again, are you connected? 
Has there been that time in your life that you repented of sin and placed your faith and trust in Christ and Him alone to save you? Are you connected to Christ? Secondly, cooperation with the Father in His work of pruning and cleansing is essential to fruitfulness. Are you cooperating as a child of God with this process of of the Father's care in your life? Uh, You must cooperate. Are you doing so? Thirdly, abiding in Christ is essential to fruitfulness. Are you, again, uh, abiding? Are are you seeking Christ? Is Christ uh, your very life? And, And are you seeking to be at home in Him? And then fourth, one who bears no fruit is not a believer. Are you bearing fruit? Are you manifesting the likeness and the life of Christ in and through your life? This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.